Welcome to Momentum Church. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. And if you've been going through our reading program um, as a church, we have a daily reading of a chapter every day. And if you've been going through that, this week we started the book of Acts. And that's going to be very important for us, church, over the next month as we look at the book of Acts. And um, we're going to be preaching from the book of Acts. I'm going to be spending time on the church then, the church now, um, Christians then, Christians now, and, and just learning what God has to say to us through the book of Acts. So today we're going to start in Acts 3, but before we do so, I, just, I do just want to say, because I know all y'all, we're facing these unprecedented times right now. This season, like never before, is something different. And I really believe God spoke to my heart and, and, and said that this is going to be a season that we, the big C church, okay, the church, that we have an opportunity to come out of this season refined and revived, all right? refined and revived. Now, anytime God speaks a word like that, those prophetic unctions for his church, we can partner with or we can run from. And I want to be at Momentum Church, my heart, I want us as a church, I want us to run into that word and say, yes, this is going to be a season I'm coming out changed. Amen? This is going to be a season. I'm going to come out refined and revived. And and so I'm not going to come out this season um, worse than I went into it. I'm going to come out better. Amen. And so we're going to be looking at it today because I really do believe that that we have experienced um, at times in the last month some of the lowest moments of families' lives. Um, And and, and obviously to the point of some people losing family members, it just doesn't get worse than that. But for some of the lowest moments, small business owners and the stress that you are facing. That's one of the lowest moments that you've had in a long time as you've started your business and maybe you're struggling. Maybe for others, you you really um, feel inadequate as a parent or inadequate as a spouse with all this time on top of each other in a sense, all this time where we're just together in the house. You know, you may be feeling a little bit frustrated, so it can feel like some of the lowest moments, but you know what? In the midst of those low moments, I don't know about y'all, I keep seeing highlights, you know? It's some of the most highlight moments of the church too. The church rising and you're seeing amazing things and stories coming. Um, Some of the most um, heartwarming things. It just touches my heart like when you see people go to to the rest home and they're outside the window and they're visiting with grandma showing grandma the new baby oh that's one of the lowest moments (laughs) but it's one of the it's one of the the sweetest things you've ever seen and that's how we can kind of go through this this experience yeah we can focus in on the lowest points and let that define us focus in the lowest points and let that shape us or we can go through it looking for those highlights, those, those moments that are just powerful, you know? And, and, and I believe that's what God wants. And those moments in our personal lives, not just, just what the church is doing, but just in our personal lives as you're looking to do things differently, you know? Um, this week, we decided that the Wiseman crew, including Zachary, my son-in-law, we would get our COVID crew cuts. So I, I came to church today, and there's a few of us here, the band and like three others. That's it. And so we come to church today, and, um, and everybody's kind of teasing me about my new do. And this is really freeing. It's neat. But it's funny because they started defining, hey, you look like this, or you look like that, or you look like, and I'm just like, really? 
that's not what I want to be defined as. So I can look at that in the moment, like I have this highlight moment where there's solidarity with my sons and, and myself. And, or I can look at that in the low moment, like I just done lost my identity. Who am I now? And maybe some of you watching this today, <laughs> you're in your living room going, who is this? Is that pastor? It's me. I just lost the mop, okay? So, but you know, this is a season where we can, we can do, look for those highlight moments. You know, Mac and I, we were trying the last two Fridays to build a teepee out of sticks. And we get this teepee built, and it's really nice. And we put a tarp around it, and the kids have been excited. They're going to sleep all night. Arden and Mac are going to sleep all night in it, and I'm going to sleep outside of it in the hammock and, and, and watch them. And man, we're in that thing for like 15, 20 minutes. It's going great. They're reading their books. It's just a beautiful experience. Everything I want, it's like a highlight. I knew that coming out of COVID, my little guy will look back and Arden will look back on the day that daddy built them a teepee. That's a highlight. And we can focus on that, right? Or my wife, God love Amy. Hi, Amy. Are you watching right now? I hope you are. This is called venting. I get to vent publicly in front of a couple thousand people. No. So my wife decides in a moment that in her maternal instinct, because that's what defines moms, right? They're moms. They're maternal. And in that moment, she knew ants were going to eat our children alive in the night. She just knew that, you know. And, and this is a woman that hikes. This is a woman that we're always outdoors. But somehow in her head, she could not, the ants are going to kill the kids, you know. And so she comes out with this huge gallon of spray and a big, not like a little raid. I mean, huge. What are you doing, woman? And she's like, I'm going to spray for ants. I'm like, no, no, just leave it be. We've been in here. Everything's fine. It's good. The ants don't know we're here, you know. So all of a sudden, she starts spraying. And the kids are like, what, what, what's going on? Because mom's got like a hazmat outfit on going around. No, she's not that bad. But she sprays around the tent or the teepee inside the, t the edges of the teepee. Well, guess what? Had she done that a couple hours early, probably the ants and all would have scattered out of that space. And it would have been fine. But because of that, in that moment, they ran for the hills. The hills just so happened to be Arden and Mac. So bugs are now everywhere. Where there was no bugs 15, for 15, 20 minutes, bugs are everywhere. Kids are screaming. It was pandemonium. And so in that moment, it's going to be one of those highlight moments and low moments of those children's lives as they remember dad doing this and mom trying to kill So all I'm getting at is all of us in those moments are being defined. I was trying to be defined as a good dad you know, and do something for my kids that they would remember this season. My, my wife was trying to be defined as a good mom, you know, she really was. And she just wanted to protect the kids. But in all that stuff, some things can get lost, some things can get gained. All I'm saying is, as we're going through this, look for the moments that are high, face those moments that are low, all right? And so the early church, um, I want to look at a story where they were going through times of difficulty. The early church there in Jerusalem, they were struggling financially. Um, it wasn't just them. It was the whole community. That area was dealing with a lot of financial issues. And we can see in Acts 3, a neat definition of the church start to manifest, all right? So in Acts 3, verse 1, it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man laying from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him and said, to, and as did John, and they said, look at us. And the man fixed their, his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. Now watch this. In that moment, there was lack. In that moment, there was need. In that moment, there was a low point, if you will. I don't have money. You're wanting me to, to take care of you in this moment, but I don't have. There is a lack in this moment, but I want you to watch. In the midst of that low point, in the midst of that lack, oh man, a highlight is coming, all right? Something, a redefining is coming. A redefinition of, of what these people were about is about to manifest right before their eyes. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's the way we need to live during this whole season. I don't have much, but what I have, I give to you. Maybe that's time. Maybe that's finances. Maybe that's some attention, whatever it is. But he says, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. These people are saying, that's that man. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. In my mind, when I see that, there was a little bit of a redefinition that took place. You know, man, these guys, they may not have finances, but oh, they have power. These guys have something to offer in the name of Jesus. They have something to make an impact, make a difference. And a redefinition started to take place. And, 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 and with that, I, I just want to let you understand, over the next four weeks, we're, we're calling this series Redefined. Redefined. Because I believe personally, as individuals, God wants to refine us and revive us. But in order to do that, he needs to redefine some things in our lives. All right? So what does re, refine mean? Let's go there first. If we're going to look at this idea of being redefined, let's look at refine first. Refine means impurities or unwanted elements have been removed by a process. All right? Refine means to be developed or improved. So during this whole season, I don't know how long this season is going to last. That's what I want for us as a church. I want... The redefinition of, of who we are as Christian of the church and, and all those things to kind of take place. But it takes place personally in our own lives. When we say, hey God, I want the impurities of my life to be removed during this process. Hey, hey Lord, I want you to revive me. Refine and revive. I want you to restore to life or to consciousness. That's what revive means. I want you to bring to my mind who you are and what, what I need to be pursuing of you and, and, and how I need to be living. Bring that to me. Revive means to give new strength or to receive fresh energy. Lord, revive me. That's what I want to see. And there may be times during this season where we don't feel like we have much. That's all right. Silver and gold, you don't have to have. Let me say it this way. Patience, you don't have to have. But such as I have, I give unto you. Then move in the power of God. Right? Because I'm about out of patience sometimes through this whole process. Right? Maybe you're trying to figure out, businessman, how to be creative and to bring income in during this season, you know? And so you may go, hey, you know what? Business ideas I do not have, but I do have the power of God. I do have the wisdom of the Spirit. Lord, show me a creative way to bring finances into my house. Amen? 
redefined in this moment. But God, this is how I've always done things. This is that, that man that, that, that was begging for alms. That's, that's how it always happened. He begged, he received. He begged, he received. Now in this moment, because of lack, his business was about to change. Isn't that good? Because of lack in this moment, God intersected that lack. Silver and gold we don't have, but you know what we do have? We have the power of God. And in that moment, he was able to, to be healed. His life was never the same. He went from being a crippled to being a man that was healthy, dancing, and praising God in the temple. That's a redefinition, y'all. And it all came from a place of lack. He lacked health. They lacked finances. God doesn't lack a thing. Amen? Hmm. So I do want to go back a little bit, though. We can see that story there, but all throughout time, collectively, the church has been redefined in different ways. It's not the first time that the church had an opportunity um, to be defined in a positive way through hardship, all right? And so that time of the Jerusalem famine, the church, they gathered together, they worked together to take care of the needs of the people. They moved in the power of God. God continued to grow and increase the church during that season. And then a couple hundred years later, in 249, to 246, there was a pandemic that afflicted the Roman Empire. And this pandemic was known as the Cyprian Plague. And the reason why it was known as the Cyprian Plague, there was a bishop in the Roman Empire in the city of Carthage, and this bishop's name was Cyprian. And he was one of the first ones to describe the, the, the um, symptoms of this plague. This is what I'm seeing. And it, again, it was very, very um, um, sort of Ebola virus-esque in what it was doing. Some of the things were sort of like smallpox as well. But this was a horrible disease. In 250 AD, 60% of the city of Alexandria died can you imagine that? 60% of the city dies in that year. Um, and then it heads up its way to, to, to Carthage, and, and everything's going on there in Carthage. But what's amazing is Cyprian, he rose up in the midst of all that. And when others were rejecting friends and family, this is what would happen. Like us, we're trying to keep, if you will, the healthy, like everybody just stays inside. And obviously the sick, they go to a hospital or someplace, right? or they get quarantined, etc. For them, they would push family members and friends out into the streets because they felt if they could keep away from the family and friends, they wouldn't die. They see this death coming upon them. So there are literally people by the thousands. At one point, 5,000 Romans a day in the Roman Empire, 5,000 dying a day. And so they would put them out into the streets to die. Well, now you have rotten corpses. I mean, if this is a real mess, and everybody is running from them. Now, another thing that's going on during this season is intense persecution for the last decade that was taking place upon the Christians, all right? So Christians have been persecuted in that Roman Empire at that point. And, and long story short, what ends up happening, this is so powerful, um, Cyprian rises up in Carthage. And he challenges the people to make a difference, those who are believers. And he rises as the bishop of Carthage and begins to encourage people, basically, in a sense, to define themselves. Who are we going to be? Are we going to be defined as fearful? Are we going to be defined as selfish? Are we going to be defined? And what was happening is the pagan culture at the time, they are just throwing the people into the streets, fend for yourself, and 
Cyprian began to rise up the other pastors in the community, rise up the Christians in the community, and he began to preach sermons like this, all right, where others were running, he ran to the dying and already dead and began to preach things like this. I'm going to quote him, to stand erect amid the desolation of the human race and not to lie prostrate with those who have no hope in God, but rather to rejoice and to embrace the benefit of the occasion. You catch that? To rejoice and embrace the benefit of the occasion that in thus bravely showing forth our faith and by suffering endured, going forward to Christ by the narrow way that Christ trod. Wow. He gave the Christians of Carthage this opportunity to follow in the footsteps of their Savior. The the one who literally laid down his life for another. And the one who said there's no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for a friend. This is what Cyprian did. And you know what started to happen? The redefining of the Christians... Who Christians are, what Christians are called to, what Christians are about. That redefinition, we look years later in about 314 when Constantine brought the Roman Empire into the Christian faith. But no, 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 no. The groundwork for that was years before when a plague like the world had never seen before was going on. And the Christians, because Cyprian raised them up to go after people, to reach people, to love on people. And yes, some of those people died. Some of those Christians died in helping. But isn't that powerful? When everybody else was rejecting in that moment, they ran in and the church was starting to be redefined. So the decades leading up to that moment, they were looked at as not, um, Christians were looked at as godless. Did you know that? Be- because pagans served polythe- po- uh, uh, they were they had a pantheon of gods. They were polytheistic, but Christians had one God. So they're godless. They're not very godly because look, they only got one God, right? That was part of the, the objection. So they were defined as godless. They were defined as, as unruly to the empire. They were defined all these ways. Oh, but in that moment, a new definition started to take place. And people began to see the Christians in a different light. If, it's, if you remember about a month before this whole thing went down here, this COVID-19 situation, I was preaching to you guys how the world is trying to define the church. Do you remember me preaching about that? And I was saying that they look at the church as hypocrites. We've heard that many times. But also I was saying how they're trying to define the church as haters. They're trying to define the church as as, as bigots and the churches. And yes, there are far, you know, to the far edges of, of the church. Yes, there are people like that. I personally don't even look at that as the church. They're apostating in their own way, okay? Um, Apostates of hate, if you will, all right? But I was saying that's how the world is trying to create a straw man to say this is what the church is. Oh, my word. In the last month, the church has been able to be redefined. And, and, And what it is, it's who we really are all along. And the church is rising up everywhere, making a difference in people's lives. The church is being redefined. I think of the Samaritan's Purse that is in Central Park right now as they created a virtual uh, hospital there in the park to take care of COVID patients. You know, and those are, that's a, a Christian organization. Um, um, I, I think of our own church here, and I'm just going to throw a few things out because I keep telling you guys we're going to flatten the curve through this. Flattening the curve is making a difference in people's lives in all areas, not just in the, the infection, but in the stress and the finances, all areas. 
And I keep saying that we want to flatten the curve in people's lives, and you guys are doing it every week. This week, what a difference you guys made in people's lives as you continue to flatten the curve. Um, on Monday, a bunch of volunteers helped a single mom move, and they were able to move into the home of another church family. That sounds like the book of Acts. Come on, amen? Single mom trying to get through life. Right now, it's tough. It's difficult financially. And so she was able to move into the basement apartment of another church family. Praise God for that. I love that. Um, 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 and don't judge me if you see that picture. I was on a lazy boy just the last minute. I got in a lazy boy and kicked back and was taking pictures of people working. Don't judge. It was funny. And I, I really was working. I really was. Um, this week, we fed 40 National Guardsmen dinner after a hard day of working in rest homes and hospitals. This week, we were able to provide meals for a family that was dealing with, the co with COVID-19 and also for a family who had just had a baby. And, and, and it's crazy now to think having a baby is a highlight, right? But it's hard, too. There's family members that can't be at the hospital when that baby's born. There's tensions that they felt that you shouldn't have to feel when you have a baby, you know? And so we were able to go in and love on that family. Um, another family, they mowed two-acre plot of ground so that the father of the home could tend to his kids while his wife is recovering from COVID-19. And so that, that took place this week. Um, there was another mom who is, is going through COVID-19 symptoms. She actually got her test, waiting for the results, but the, the doctor has her living like she has, has, the, has, the, has COVID-19. And so... They were able to bring food to her, obviously, a meal train kind of thing. But also, she can't get her dogs out to run. Dogs are important, amen? <laughs> and so, so, with her little ones, it's hard for them to be able to get out there with the dogs and take care of the dogs. So, the men of the church ran over there and made a quick run for her on Saturday morning. So, the dogs would have a way to get out and wouldn't have to tax her physical health or endanger the little one, you know, um, the little daughter that they have trying to get her, her to take the dog out. Um, so, just thing after thing after thing. So with that, I, I want to go back to Acts chapter 3, because good things happened. That man was healed. The church is starting to make an impact, and those men were brought into the religious leaders and accused. They were brought in and looked down upon, Peter and John. They were looked down upon for the work that they were doing. And, and, and here's what I want you to see what's so neat, all right? In Acts 4, 16 through 17, those religious leaders say this, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. Do you see that? Something is starting to happen. A redefinition of these. These aren't just people on the outskirts of, of religion. These are people who are starting to make an impact on community and on culture. And, and what are we supposed to do with them? I mean, what in the world? A notable sign has been performed. Something of significance has happened. And it's evident to all the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem. But watch this. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. And so they're going to bring threat to them to back up and not act within this new definition that God is starting to place on them. That they have something to offer. That they have something to give. That they have, they, they're ready to be, are you ready for this? They're ready to be contagious. I love this. That it may spread no further. They were worried that what they have was going to spread. Can I tell you right now, I want what we have to spread, church. I want love to spread. I want peace to spread. I want the hope that we have to spread. Amen. I want the patience that we can move in to spread. That's what I want. That's what, that's what I want to see happen. You know, I, I'm gonna, I, I wasn't going to share this publicly, but I will. Last Friday, I was getting some things at the store, and my mind just is in a weird place. It just is, like everybody's. 
And I, for the first time, I backed into somebody. They were coming through the drive, and I was coming out of a parking space, and I hit this gentleman, you know? Ah, it just, you know what's crazy in that moment? I felt this, because this sermon was in my mind, and I felt like, you know what, I can, I can get ugly. I mean, I think that he was driving through really fast. I didn't see him. I, I think he was probably going fast, but guess what? I hit him. It's my fault. And, and it was the most peaceful thing. We talked about it. You know, uh, we got an estimate. I paid cash for the, to fix the car, and, um, and we're all good. And it was just, and I ended up getting to sit at his table and talk to him about the Lord. And it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm believing that he'll be here at church when things open up. I really am. But I'll be honest. My wife knows old Ross would have figured, been tense and ugly, and somehow that's still that guy's fault. Nobody likes to be at fault, right, Corey? Nobody likes that. So, but, but man, I just, it's just like, no, you know what? There's so many other things to worry about right now. It's just not that big a deal. And he had that kind of mindset too. And so it all worked out. Amen? So collectively, though, I want to be contagious. Like I said, as a church, I want us doing great things. But listen, collectively, the church is going to be okay. It really is. Collectively, it's going to be okay. But I don't pastor a building. All right? I don't pastor an institution. I don't, I don't pastor necessarily a collective, all right? I pastor individuals. And, and you, together with others, makes up Momentum Church. But when I think about it, yeah, the church is going to survive. The church is doing great things, you know? The, the, the big C across the world is doing great things. But I pastor individuals who make up the body that is the church, and individually, that's where my concern is. My, my concern is with you that in those quiet moments after you've put the kids to bed and you're crunching those numbers, trying to figure out how many more weeks can we go like this and still put food in the bellies of those children. That, that, that's where my concern is, all right? When it comes down to it, um, you as an individual, you know, thinking and telling yourself you're a horrible spouse, because of the tensions you're trying to manage right now. Tensions that you thought you had dealt with years ago, and they're creeping back into your marriage. And that, that, that's, that's just as bad as this plague. That's just as bad as this disease. Those tensions are trying to define you. Those fears are trying to shape you. Those frustrations are trying to create something in you that, that isn't that thing that is notable, that thing that, that can be seen as a sign of God's hand upon you. Maybe it's the struggles that you once had with sin that you had conquered. But listen, listen, now you're going through a season of tension, and those old ways and those old sins are creeping back up. Can I just look, look at, you're not alone. Look at me, you're not alone. The world and the church, I'm sorry, the world and the enemy of your heart would love to define us. Thank God the big C is being defined through this season powerfully. But the enemy, if he can't rock the big C, he'll try to rock you individually. He'll try, he'll try to bring you down because the big C is just the church because you're in it. It's made up of all us individuals, and that's why I pastor you as an individual, and that's where my heart is just heavy right now, because I know that through this, just like the Roman culture tried to define who the Christians were, the world, the enemy is trying to define who you are in the midst of this, and you can come out of this redefined, revived, refined, 
shaped into what God desires you to be shaped in through this, or you can believe the lie of the enemy that he's trying to speak to you in the middle of this. Amen? And so individually, the enemy of our hearts would love to keep us from, from growing through this season. But I believe God wants to define us, redefine us during this season. To define something, um, basically, um, those circumstances in life, they try to define who we are. To define something is to, to name something, to characterize something, to describe something, to label something. And then the enemy would try to get you to, to label yourself as one that right now is, is angry or one that is, is impatient or one that is intolerant or one that is, is lustful or one that is drunkard, uh, drunkard or one that is whatever it might be, all right? But I want us to understand that God's trying to come and bring a redefinition. And so you can, st- you can respond to that with, as the lie of the enemy comes and tries to tell you who you aren't or you can stand in confidence and speak who God says you are in the middle of this. And this week, Amy had an amazing, we were talking in the morning one morning, and she goes, oh, man, I'm teaching on Thursday night, the ladies, and God just gave me something. And she called it her bam moment, her big awestruck moment. And I love this. In Mark, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to work through this pretty quick. In Mark 15, <coughs> Jesus is pulled before Pilate. This is right before the crucifixion. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered to him and said, it is as you say. So Pilate defines who he is. And Jesus says, you're right. Yes, you are. Exactly. That's me. That's who I am you well. The chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Do you see that? Isn't that powerful? This was that awestruck moment that, that God gave Amy. And I told her, I said, let me preach it. She said, I will. So Jesus, he only responded to the truth of what Pilate asked. It says here, then Pilate asked him again, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Jesus responded just to the truth that Pilate asked. Jesus did not respond to the accusations of those leaders. And I just want to let you know, as you're going through this, you're going to have those high moments in those low moments, and in those low moments, the enemy is going to come and try to define you. The enemy is going to come, and you have an opportunity, just like the church has through, through the ages, you have an opportunity to rise up and be redefined, or accept the lie of the enemy, embrace that lie, and begin to live out of that, that, that false lie instead of living out of the truth that Jesus has declared over your life. How many times in our own lives are we falsely accused and we get worked up by that? I don't know about y'all. If I'm falsely accused, it frustrates me. I'm not like Jesus. I have a hard time staying quiet. It wor- I get worked up, and then I begin to act. I begin to, to, to act out of character. I begin to act out of emotion. I'm not being decisive. I'm not walking in peace. I'm walking in turmoil. And it can be felt and seen by my family, my staff. Amen? Shut up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I haven't been able to say that in a long time. My, my staff, it can be sensed by my children. Those lies, if I get a hold of that turmoil and I own it for myself, all right, it starts to shape and define or redefine who I am. Man, I want to come out of this refined and revived. I don't want to come out of this worse. I want to come out of this season better. 
And so those lies come. Here's the thing. How many know the one that falsely accuses you the most, do you know who that is? You. You. You falsely accuse yourself. It's as if the enemy stirs in your heart and you begin to think, I am just this. And then Jesus is like, no, you're not. You're the righteousness of God. I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm, I'm struggling with my addictions again. You know what? I'm just such a, 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 a corrupt sinner. I'm ridiculous. I'm, I'm, have you repented? Yes, I have. I'm broken. Then no, you're not. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. Go in that strength. Go in that power. Don't let him continue to lie to you. You know? I feel that impatience with my family. You know, I'm just so impatient. I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. This is all. No, walk in my peace. As you start to accuse yourself of those lies over you, allow God to speak truth over you. Listen, Jesus, who was perfect, had to stand before accusers. Don't you think that you who are imperfect are going to feel those accusations at times? Yeah. Yeah, you who are in the process, I'd rather say it that way. I like this. Not just you who are imperfect. We all are imperfect. I get that. Listen, you who are in the process of being perfected. See the difference in the thought process on that? I'm imperfect. No, I'm not. I'm in the process of being perfected. Amen? Amen? So you are in the process of being effective. We're going to have some accusations fly at you. And this can be a season that shapes you greatly. It can be a season that redefines you. But you're going to have to grab a hold of those thoughts, calling them to be subject to God and his truth over you. And you're going to have to hold on. Amen? I don't want the big C to come out of this shining, if you will, when individuals, when you're hurting and losing who you are, who God sees that you are, and so we can be redefined, redefined. What redefinition, what redefine means is to define again. God wants to put that hope back in you again, that strength back in you again. Maybe, maybe for you that purity back in you again, that peace back in you again. To redefine means to re-examine or reevaluate, especially with a view to change. Now we've come through this, Amy and I, with some things that have shifted our priorities in a good way. Things that we didn't see coming that we were like, oh, all right. This is time for a little priority shift in the next year or two. You know, it, it brought to mind some things that we just hadn't even thought about in years. It's a time of redefinition. And so let the Lord do that in your life. And, and it's important that he does it individually first. If he does it individually, it'll make a huge impact and then it will reach the big C, the big church, then we'll reach the world. Amen? How do I know that? Let's go back to Cyprian as I close. Cyprian, he was baptized when he was 35 years old in 245 AD, just five years before this plague began. And this is something that he had written, and I want to read it. And I just want you to hear the, the struggle of a young man that is trying to find that definition. The struggle of a young man that God is shaping and working through and perfecting. And, and then you can see those years later, seven years later, in, 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 in 252, when he is raising up the city of Carthage's Christians to make such an impact. But here's how he felt lying in the darkness. Here's how he felt when he was putting his head on the pillow as a young Christian. When I was still lying in darkness and gloomy night, I used to regard it as extremely difficult and demanding to do what God's mercy was suggesting me to do. 
I myself was held in bonds by the innumerable heirs of my previous life, from which I did not believe I could possibly be delivered. So I was disposed to acquiesce in my clinging vices and to indulge in my sins. Do you, do you see what he's saying? My mind, it's trying to define who I've always been. God is saying, no, no, I'm taking you somewhere. But the mind and the spirit is lying to you, and you're taking those accusations, and next thing you know, he's falling back into those old vices. Do you see that? But after that, <coughs> by the help of the water of new birth, the stain of my former life was washed away, and a light from above, serene and pure, was infused into my reconciled heart. Now, I want you to catch something here. This is powerful. A second birth restored me to a new man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, pastor. What are you talking about? A second birth. I, he just said that he's gotten touched. Watch this. He's had that water of new birth, and he has this second birth that's about to take place. I love this. Then in a wondrous manner, every doubt began to fade. I clearly understood that what had first lived within me, enslaved by the vices of the flesh, was earthly, and that what instead the Holy Spirit had wrought within me, his divine and heavenly. Do you catch that? He was a believer. He's struggling with his sins. We all do. But there was something that happened in his life, a baptism, a touch of the Holy Spirit that began to change everything for him. And I believe that touch, that power of the Holy Spirit began to redefine who he was, his ability to see himself in the light of the power of God, that same power that silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, rise up and walk, that same kind of power that you may say, but Ross, my legs are weak to walk away from sin. You know what? God is powerful enough to raise you up on those weak legs. Ross, my legs are weak to be able to speak kind words to my wife and kind words to my children when I'm when I'm in tension. Listen, the power of God is able to raise you up on those weak legs. Amen. And yes, you may right now not have much, but you have the power of God. And that, when you embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, he will start to redefine you. And when you look at the book of Acts, as you read daily through this this month, as you look at the book of Acts, that's what's happening. The church is being defined, and it's made up of individuals. There's story after story of individuals partnering with God. Their personal lives being changed, changing the world that comes to them, the people that are around them. And oh my word, we still look back to the book of Acts as that power passage of scripture that we read just to go that's what the church is supposed to be like and I'm declaring today God wants to redefine us and say that's what the church not just the big C but us as individuals are is supposed to be like and friends we can do that we can move in that amen amen let me have prayer with you today father in the name of Jesus individually would you touch our hearts lord Lord, I thank you that you're doing so many amazing things through the church at large. But Lord God, in my home, there's things at times I'm struggling with. Lord, there's things my, 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 my friends watching are struggling with. Let them know that the enemy through this season is going to try to sift them. But thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> you are there that on the backside of this experience, they're going to come out redefined. They're going to come out better than ever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.